episode number 33. Are nightclubs going to be found liable for injuries caused by mass shootings like the one in Orlando, Florida? This is the Crime School Radio Show. Where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert Chris McGoey. Welcome to Crime School. It's only been a couple of weeks since that mass shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida where 49 people were killed and 53 wounded by a mass shooter bent on destruction and possibly jihad. You know, the official police and FBI investigation are not finished yet. Many of the victims are still recovering from their wounds. And the lives of many families torn apart by this tragedy is nowhere close to being healed. Yet I'm already starting to hear chatter about the possibility of lawsuits being filed by, I suppose, the victims and family members, against, I suppose, the nightclub, property owner, property manager, maybe even law enforcement and first responders. We'll have to wait and see. I could tell you the insurance industry is on full alert, anticipating these claims in the coming months. There's a civil case going on in Aurora, Colorado, as you recall, that involved James Holmes. That mass shooter killed 12 and wounded 70. In his criminal case, he was sentenced to 12 life sentences, plus 3,318 years. But in the civil case, the allegation against Sidemark Theaters was that they were negligent and either caused or contributed to this shooting and these injuries. Well, the jury in that case came back finding in favor of Sidemark, saying, no, they weren't at fault. James Holmes was solely at fault. So this falls in line with conversations I've had over the last week with large entities and, and risk managers concerned about, do we need to have a security plan now for mass shootings and have some response capability to potentially reduce our liability should these things occur? I also received a call a couple of days ago from Business Insurance Magazine, and they posed very similar questions to me. Their readers wanted to know, what can we expect going forward? How is our role as business operators operating large public venues likely to change in the future? So stay with me for a minute. Let me get Rob Lenahan on the line, and you can kind of listen in on our conversation about liability in the aftermath of a mass shooting incident. This is the Crime School Radio Show. After a short break, we will introduce today's special guest. You know, I, I, we work for an insurance magazine, so risk management is one of the issues we look at. We also look at liability issues. And I, I would be interested in your thoughts on, on what all this the Orlando attacks mean or may not mean going forward. And tell me again the name of the magazine. It's called Business Insurance and it's part of Crane Communications. Okay, I got you. 
So you think your readers are concerned about liability or potential liability following the terrorist attack in Orlando, Florida? Yes, it's one of the things that we're looking at, yes. Well, liability means lots of things. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not giving you a legal opinion, but I am a security expert, so I'll give you even my opinion based on that and from having worked with many lawyers over 30 years. Liability is, without getting too technical, it's, it's an allegation is all it is. It's a claim that you somehow fell below a standard of care, a reasonable standard of care, that you didn't operate the way a prudent let's say a nightclub owner will operate, and that contributed or caused the incident. Well, the Orlando uh, massacre is really the extreme. It's out there on the outer edge extreme of something that is not highly foreseeable, not even likely. If you look at all the nightclubs across the United States, you'd have to think back long and hard, trying to remember the last time someone burst in carrying an automatic weapon an assault rifle, and just started killing people indiscriminately. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the definition, or it sort of flies in the face of the definition of being reasonable. That's not something we could reasonably foresee. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly in this country, we've had other mass shootings. We know it's possible now. It's not like 20 or 30 years ago. Now it's actually possible, and it's happening. Yeah. But the targets seem to be somewhat random, different types of uh, targets, different uh, states, different cities, different motivations, different numbers of people. So we really are not able to put our finger on exactly what or why it's happening or what targets are most vulnerable so we could begin to formulate some plan or some discussion about what individual properties you know, should be doing or, or might consider doing. In the case of this Orlando nightclub, just to bring it back to your point, the only thing unusual about it really is it's a gay nightclub. So it caters mm -hmm. to a particular clientele. That might be the only thing that sets it apart from most, quote, nightclubs. Uh, it had entertainment. It had dancing. It served alcoholic beverages. So all of those things are quite common. But we learned so far during the investigation that this nightclub also took some precautions. They had security people present. And they also employed an off-duty uh, police officer to stand outside. So this is an officer that's in full uniform. He, he's armed, carrying all of his standard gear, has a radio, has communication ability, has superior training. Now, most nightclubs in America, I, I could tell you for certain, don't hire off-duty police officers to stand out their facility. Mm. So just the fact that they hired an off-duty police officer is above the standard of care or to say that this Pulse nightclub took steps beyond what the normal club would take by employing that officer to be outside. So that's a good thing. So from the liability standpoint, that's an argument in their favor that at least you, you considered uh, what kind of operation you're running, whether you had a special event this night or not, and you decided, made a business decision to hire this off-duty officer just in the exercise of you know, extra caution. And then in support of your ordinary security measures, I'm sure the club had security guards or bouncers uh, at the door screening people, checking IDs, making sure people aren't intoxicated. I don't know if they had metal detectors. I haven't heard yet if they've gone mm -hmm. that far. But all of those things are part of the equation, the balancing process when you're looking at whether a club like 
the Pulse nightclub acted reasonably or not, or whether they were negligent. So if we take Orlando out of the equation, the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, that's an extreme rare circumstance, and we certainly hope it never happens again. But if we're speaking just in general terms, what nightclubs should be doing on a regular basis, well, they need to do some sort of an evaluation. You evaluate the risk. So you have to first kind of determine what's the nature of my club. If you're a club owner, you're the architect of your club. You decide what it's going to be. What are you going to offer? Are you offering live entertainment? Are you offering dancing? Do you have drink specials? Do you heavily market to any particular demographic? So all of those things make a difference on what kind of people are going to come to your club, what they're going to do when they get there, and how they're going to act. So that's all something that's all done by design. The other thing as part of the risk assessment is you want to uh, check back on the history. What's happened here before? After operating under this format that you've set up, what kind of things have happened? Have you had prior fights? Have you had serious injuries? Have you had extreme violence? Have you had stabbings? Have you had shootings? Those kind of things. To kind of put it in perspective that hosting this type of venue with this kind of format with this demographic has caused these number and types of incidents. And that's where you kind of need a trained eye to see, well, is that reasonable or not? Is that something we can control? Now, sometimes or oftentimes they'll try to do that with in-house staff, security staff, bouncers, and mm -hmm. they can have differing degrees of success. Some clubs that operate a, a sort of high-profile, uh, more aggressive club can be controlled to a reasonable level if you have the proper security staff, that you hire the right people, that they're, they have very good training, and they execute their duties following some well-articulated security plan. So if you did all those things under the same circumstances, should someone be injured and sue the nightclub, the same test would apply. The parties would have to look to see, were you operating in a reasonable manner, giving all these things that you did and taking into consideration the type of club you operated and its location? But the test is always, you're the architect. Did you design the nature of your business to be a reasonable one, not a volatile one? And did you do a, an evaluation or a risk assessment based on what's happened before at this club or maybe similar clubs in the area? And did you take reasonable steps in response? And then the third leg of the stool, as you're operating and you start having incidents, how did you respond to it? Did you do something to the nature of your business to dial down the intensity? Did you up the level of uh, security on site? Did you increase the level of training? Did you send all your staff to a responsible service of alcohol training? Again, to kind of dial down the intensity of intoxicated persons. All of those things would be considered reasonable steps, but just operating a club, taking in the money and doing nothing or doing very little, especially in light of ongoing violence, fights and injuries, that would almost be the definition of some operator that might be deemed negligent. It's your negligent operation and management of this club that directly contributed to this person being injured. And that's what gets the entire industry a black eye. Those business operators that don't invest in the club really don't seem to care about the safety of their patrons. I speak with many club owners, not only club owners, but every business, 
and some just believe in their heart that it's not their job. They think it's law enforcement's job. They think that if someone is fighting, that's not my job. I'm not running a boxing facility. It's just not my job. So they feel they should just take it outside. And that's what they'll do. They'll train their bouncers to just drag these people outside and toss them outside. Let them duke it out of the street. They don't see it as their business, their responsibility. They feel that's what the police are for. You call the police and let them deal with it. But they're so off base and so wrong. Mm -hmm. And again, these are the type of businesses that get sued. And frankly, they need to be sued. They need to be either taken out of business or being hit hard with such financial sanctions that hopefully they'll get their act together. And it's also a message to other similar business operators to see that if I run a club in this manner, if I don't exercise due care, that I can be sued for thousands or millions, and it could drive me out of business. It could destroy all my financial assets. Going forward, do you see Orlando having impact on uh, nightclubs and other you know, large venues where people will we be going to metal detectors everywhere we go now? Or It already has had an impact. Since Sunday, my phone's been ringing off the hook. Really? Asking, you know, similar questions. Uh, there will be discussions everywhere. Every business will be talking about this. Any place open to the public is going to have discussions and even meetings. I'll be hired to attend some of those meetings for certain companies, uh, just because, again, that's what I do. Trying to answer the questions, you know, can this happen here? You know, if it does, are we prepared to respond in some way? and uh, try to come up with that balance. You know, how do we get our arms around it? It seems like such a complex problem, and it seems like it's a political issue almost that's outside of our business, mm -hmm. you know, and just happens to come and uh, attack us. How do we get our arms around that? How do we deal with that? So, so there is a process. There is a step-by-step -step process that uh, business owners can walk through to try to make a reasonable assessment. You know, how likely and probable is it for something, some mass murder or mass shooting to happen here? How prepared are we to prevent it or defend against it? Or how prepared are we to respond, at least, to the situation as it unfolds or the aftermath? And those are all very tough questions. But yes, the Orlando incident will raise and cause those discussions to occur. Will something come of it? Will changes be made? That's hard to say, probably uh, not much, because I believe everyone still has that mindset that this won't happen to me. Mm -hmm. This is something that happened to, in Orlando. This is something that happened because it was a gay club. This is something that happens because of terroristic ideals, uh, a ISIS-inspired, mentally deranged young man, and the odds of that happening to me are remote. So... Most will, sadly, do nothing or very little. It, just looking at this, it seems to be like the, the lone wolf attacks seem to be the ones that are stepping up. Um, well, it's always been, if, if you look back over the years and all the mass shootings that we've had, the vast majority were lone males. Mm -hmm. There's been a, a couple with, uh, with two people and, and one with a female recently in San Bernardino, but it's mostly mm -hmm. that isolated seemingly mentally ill person that has these issues. They just uh, get focused on some something that really uh, bothers them and they want to act out. There's definitely one connection I noticed that most of these guys want notoriety. Yeah. 
they want whatever their particular problem is, they want it highly publicized in the media. And unfortunately, uh, many of these shooters are trying to break the old record. As in mm. this case now, we have 49 dead, 53 wounded. That breaks the old record by far. It's almost like game theory, those that are into video games. You're always trying to beat the score of the last person. There might be some of that going on, that they just want to go out and break the record, and they're going to go down in flames in the process. But in their ment mentally deranged mind, to them, somehow that makes sense. I just don't know. They somehow rationalize or justify that or try to promote whatever cause they're trying to uh, promote. Because the media does rush to the location. This incident yeah. happened. Yeah. This incident happened Sunday, about two in the morning, and here it is now. What Wednesday, and it's still on the twenty-four hour news cycle, nonstop. So, you know, mission accomplished. If that was the goal to to get this thing highly publicized. I mean, there's an issue whether it was terrorism, was it a hate crime, and we're kind of wondering here. Is, in, the, in the end of the day, it to make a difference. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't make a difference to the venue or it doesn't make a difference to the, the victims or to law enforcement who have to respond to it. It doesn't make a difference. It's still a mass shooter. Uh, the motivation is only helpful in trying to look back and see if we could get to the source of it and maybe try to fix that or, or cut off the head of that source. You know, so whether it's terrorism, do we, if we, if we just solve the terrorism problem in air quotes, um, right. Will that prevent these things going forward? Uh, the, anytime you have these shootings, there's uh, advocacy uh, steps up for gun control, mm -hmm. right? They se there yeah. seems to be a common thread between the use of assault rifles and these type of mass shootings just because of capacity. So there might be another rush towards uh, trying to ban those weapons or control those weapons or, or limit sales or scrutinize sales. There's always rises up this watch list argument. In this mm -hmm. case, this individual was on a watch list for a, for a time. And should someone on the watch list be allowed to buy guns? We know in this case that this shooter went out and bought guns uh, with, within a week or so prior to this uh, incident. Mm -hmm. So had he been on the watch list, would that have prohibited him from buying this weapon? You know, I don't know. There's going to be lots of different angles, lots of different talking heads out there talking about what we could have done or what we should have done. There's even some blaming the nightclub industry and the gay nightclub industry mm -hmm. as being a magnet, a crime magnet, and, and possibly things that they could have done. Coming back full circle about liability, there will certainly be lawsuits filed over this case, regardless of what I've just said, just because of different things and, and when when everything kind of shakes down we'll find out more details about what kind of history the club has actually had have they've had prior violence in the past i suspect there's some reason to have an off-duty armed police officer standing outside so mm -hmm. it's, it's probably not crime free and the owners probably recognize that the uh, that a gay bar might be uh, more volatile than a than a subdued place so we don't know, so we'll see. But I'm certain that there will be litigation filed, and that's something we can expect. Mr. McGuire, I certainly appreciate your time on this. I do thank you for your thoughts. Well, that about wraps up today's show. 
I hope you found this episode interesting and will share it with your family, friends, and coworkers. It makes a great basis for conversation and discussion. You'd be surprised how many different opinions there are out there on this subject matter. We all have different perspectives, different points of view, based on our background, our education, our training, our life experience. So it's important to have these discussions. That's how we learn, right? That's how we grow. That's how we solve problems. So here at Crime School, we're going to continue to present a variety of educational topics, but we're going to keep our focus on the theme, making places safe for people and property. Now, the subject matter is influenced by things that are happening right now in the news and based on your feedback. So I encourage you to tell me about your ideas. What do you want to hear discussed? What ideas do you think are important? I'm always looking for a guest. If you followed Crime School, you know that we've had some outstanding guests on the show. So I'm looking for those that have special knowledge about crime, crime prevention, loss prevention, that have a legal background, that want to talk about criminal law, civil law, the court system, liability and negligence. I want to talk about products, especially those that deal with solving a crime or loss prevention problem. Let's discuss it on the air. If you're a crime victim and you have a motivating story to tell or interesting outcome, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe. This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey. We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.